What's up meeples, on today's show we are talking about buying new games or just expanding the ones you already own, the pros and cons of both across the entire tabletop hobby and our own personal opinions on what we prefer and why. Along with all your usual weekly news and Kickstarter campaigns, this is the podcast for Cordy Gaming Community. What's up guys, my name is Jason. And I'm Ian. We are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. So pop the kettle on, grab a brew, and let's get down to this week's episode. We'll start this week with our usual start to the episode with what has graced our welcome mats and tortured our bank account. So Ian, has anything graced your welcome mat or tortured your bank account? So my bank account's been fairly tortured as it is, but um, with the new release of Darkness Ablaze for the next Pokemon TCG set on the horizon... We are now in the pre-release period, and unfortunately, without tournaments running, it was just buying the kits as they are. So I have got had a few of those. I got quite good cards out of my pack, so I was quite pleased. Nice. Any in particular that stood out to you? Uh, Crobat V, just because it is desirable in almost every deck, so managing to pull one of those without having to spend an absolute fortune on multiple copies is a good start. Awesome stuff. Uh, I've had a few games that have uh, have been purchased in this past week um i have been paid and it's gone out of my bank account pretty quickly as always um i have picked up on the second hand market from a good friend of mine um zombie side and alien versus predator the hunt begins two games that i've been wanting to purchase for a little while but uh, never really had the chance so i picked them up and just today i picked up the new villainous pack um marvel villainous haven't had a chance to look at it yet uh but i will be doing that over the next few days no doubt we will see uh just how how good that is i'm still a bit miffed as to the fact that it's not cross compatible but we will see why that is in the coming days i hope um so the second section we normally talk about is the games we've played this week now this is going to be an interesting one this week because there kind of is none um with the ease of the lockdown we have been using our time to catch up with friends that we haven't seen for a long time and we spent our usual gaming night that we have going to see dinosaurs going to see dinosaurs yes it's become pretty apparent to pretty much all of you that we love dinosaurs and we love jurassic park the original jurassic park was brought out in the cinema we saw it on opening day and it felt good it was really nice to be back. And we got to try the 4DX thing again, which is where all the motion seats, all of the smells, fans, water jets. Um, it's good fun. It was good fun. I do think they missed a trick, though, with the uh, with some of the smells. I, I definitely don't remember smelling dung when we went to the... Uh, sick triceratops. To the, to the sick triceratops. So I'm both miffed and glad at that fact. So, yeah, that was great. We did manage to fit a few games in, though. Um, I know we talked a lot about I'm not only going to glance over it because we talked a lot about it last week but me and Jason decided to have another go online at Death Eaters Rising with Ed who was on the show a few weeks ago um, only way we could play it with him is online at the moment because he's gone back home to the Netherlands so we had a good fun with that and on the usual Monday meetup um, unfortunately Jason couldn't be there this week but we ended up playing uh, Set to Watch 
um, which we had a, another good run with. Um, really enjoyed a good game of that. So I'm still yet to try that game. Now we have the ability to play games physically. I I, I much prefer learning games in yeah. person. So I'm very much looking forward to trying that. But yeah, it's just been a week really of of catching up with old friends and essentially playing games we that know. we we already know we already play. Um, we know we enjoy exactly, and it was nice and nice and easy games to to teach new people as well. So yeah. Storming through our topics this week, we are going to get to the main topic now, which this week is all about expansions or new games. How we feel about them, what is better value, What's what brings more to the table. And it's quite a good discussion to have because there are a few pros and cons to each, I feel. Um, so we're going to go through our own personal opinions on that. Obviously, as with everything with the show, it is our own personal opinions it doesn't have to be your opinion if you do disagree with us please let us know because it's actually really good to know how people feel about it yeah it's always a good topic of discussion many new people into gaming and many veterans all wonder you know all have very sort of different opinions on this subject and have different outlooks towards it all yeah without a doubt there are obviously different types of expansions and different ways you could say what is a new game but I mean, if you go on a war games front, it's all going to be expansions, essentially, because you're building an army. So with every new unit you purchase or add into your army list, that is an expansion. But then you take that with um, the new games being the next person to come along with another war game. You know, you've got different, very similar war games out there, but actually, you know, under different either IPs or different genres of how they've tackled it. You know, so there are still new ones out there as well, but as you know generally once one has hit the shelves and done well it'll only ever have expansions yeah. for it from yeah. that point yeah agreed war games are kind of their own beast really when it comes to that because once you've invested in a war game i find a lot of the players tend to stick to that game as opposed to go looking elsewhere whereas then you look at the likes of board gamers for example and yes, you do have a lot of expansions. A lot of people will expand their games, but they'll also venture out. They'll also venture out into new games, and sometimes it they, it will be a case of they'd rather have a new game than a new expansion. But I do have a good good example to use on the war game from a stat of expansions that are compatible and aren't compatible in the same way. And a good one for that is Fantasy Flight with them all of their Star Wars games. So the recent news announcement of the Armada Clone Wars wave, um, you've now got the two factions of the Republic and the Separatists. Obviously, those are two brand new factions. So the whole game is effectively, it's it, it's almost like they're releasing a new version of Star Wars Armada, but they are still compatible if you wanted to go beyond the rules of it, you know, and have like the Republic versus the Rebellion and things like that. You can still do it, but it's not, it's almost like it wasn't designed that way, but yeah still compatible and we've seen that with legion when they introduced the clone the clone yeah, the republic yeah. era again and i'm sure when and with x-wing as well you've got all three generations in x-wing so again it's quite interesting to see they are all compatible you can all you know fight whichever ships you just can't mix the armies very often unless yeah, you exactly. homebrew it yeah. but it, it's a good way to show how that's effectively a way of refreshing a game by doing like a soft reset on it for a little while a little period in time Yep. So yeah, obviously expansions for me. When I th- when I talk of expansions, I I mainly revert to board games because I have lots of games that I have purchased expansions for, and I find myself like, although I've got a lot of games as well that have expansions, but I've not actually purchased them. I find if I'm investing in an expansion, it's because I have a particular connection 
with that game itself. Perfect example of that, talked about it a little bit earlier, was Disney Villainous. I have every expansion they've released for it so, so far, and it's because I really enjoy the game, and it just adds a lot of replayability to the game. So to give you an idea, a game that I don't have expansions for is actually the Ghostbusters board game, the original one. The game's okay, but it didn't scream to me that I really wanted to play this over and over and over and over and over again regularly enough that I would need to add the replayability to it, and I, I just didn't think the expansions that they announced really added that much to it. Another genre of games that we haven't touched on yet that is literally based on expansions are trading card games. To keep them fresh, every three months there is a brand new expansion for the game. Yeah. And they even rotate their expansions, You know, which is how you get the different variations and wordings of each card game's formats. You know, Again, my easy go-to is Pokemon. I've already mentioned it so far in this episode today. The new expansion due out in literally um, less than two weeks' time from when we're recording this episode. And each year you have four new sets added to the game, and then they'll rotate four out on average. Yeah. You know, trying to keep the game fresh, constantly changing it, constantly balancing it. We've also had ban lists as well with that sort of thing recently where they've just added a few new cards into the band um, to try and balance the game. But those games are designed around an ever-changing game, you know, so it's always different, which is good, but it's expensive. Yeah. The game itself is, is although it's not a living card game, it kind of is because it's always evolving. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, card games as well, they're, they're an interesting one, but it's very much like war games. I find that card gamers, once they found their game, they tend to stick to it. They might try other games as well, but they, they have their investment in one game. And yeah, we all know that's probably cost- you know, it's a very expensive thing, but uh, I think there's also another love of, of that. And you, you love a game so much, you want to just keep expanding it as opposed to trying something new. You've grown attachment to it. I follow a YouTuber for the Magic the Gathering card game, and he gets asked a lot, has he, you know, has he tried this card game or that card game? And he says, not really, because it's not magic. You know, yeah. he's so in love with that game, he sees it almost as perfect. And obviously he sees the flaws in it, but, you know, to him, the actual game me um, mechanic of that game is perfect to him. That he doesn't want to go playing other games because he compares them back to it. They're not going to live up to his standards for the one he enjoys. Yeah. And I can, yeah. I can understand that. I've also managed to have times where I've fallen out with my favorite card games. There's been periods, including recently, where I struggle to whether, you know, whether I want to carry on playing things like Pokemon and stuff. So I mean, an another the, the the big you know the big four of tabletop. Um, we've done three of them so far. We're going to move on to role play, and I'm very inexperienced with role play. Everyone knows that so far. But do, how how does expansions versus new games work within the role play thing? It, you know, I know that they bring out different editions. Is that essentially a new game or is that an expansion? No. So every new edition, I'm going to use Dungeons and Dragons because it's the easiest model to yeah, use. Yeah. But when they do a new edition it tends to be effectively a new game it's still the same play style but they re redo all the rules same with like with games workshop with the tabletop side of things when games workshop decides to do a new edition they just overhaul all the rules and it's effectively a reset and a new game you know D D and stuff runs on the same sort of pretense okay the only good thing is there are expansions as well so there's always new books coming out new guides new monsters new maps 
that's effectively where the expansions comes into yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. That, See, that, um, that sort of plays into another question I would have with regards to Dungeons and Dragons and, and sort of magic to a degree as well. But, you know, just talking about Dungeons and Dragons here, I get people talking to me all the time about, oh, we play five or we play three or, or whatever it is. And I, I assume that just means versions. But if they're playing an older version of the game, do you reckon that's purely because they've invested in that game, they love that version, and they've, rather than trying a new version or liking a new version, they've preferred the old version with the expansions? The easiest way I can describe it is the same way as I just did with the tabletop thing. The game may overhaul all its rules. Some of your favourite things might disappear, so you might choose to go back. Same with the card games. You can play older formats that run on older rule sets, but the, the newer stuff is not designed to work with the older stuff yeah. and vice versa. So you, you kind of have to pick and choose where you want to go and what system you use. You can obviously edit things to try and homebrew stuff to work properly with what you want, but it just takes more effort on your part. Whereas when you're just picking up a new rule set of a new book, you know, you just run with what you're given. Same yeah. with like Games Workshop and stuff. You know, when they do an overhaul, you know, they might nerf some of your favourite units. So you might choose to go back to an older army build. Yeah. You know, a good example is X-Wing when they went from the original X-Wing to X-Wing 2.0. Some people stopped playing at that point because they had to spend either a lot of money to upgrade everything or just didn't like where things yeah. were going. Yeah. So it's with any game. You take the bits you want to play and as long as everyone's on on the same page, you run with it. I do have another good one for role-playing games, though. Um, niche way of looking at expansions. One thing that's intrigued me recently is there are a lot of board games that are dishing out expansions of role-play versions. Yeah, I have noticed that, actually, yeah. We've mentioned it before. We still haven't had a chance to try it. We have a role-play version of our Thunderbirds co-op game to try. And when my Zombieside 2.0 comes up, a whole portion of that Kickstarter campaign was giving you a whole role-play guide and everything yeah. to actually get even more engrossed in the storyline of it and depending on who i can get playing the hell campaigns of zombie side i may well even look at trying to run that at some point too probably won't get me playing it but uh be good to see challenge accepted <laughs> so not segueing nicely in there you've you've taken us back to board games and we, we're going to focus on board games again because one it's something that we both know quite a bit about but it's also the one that is most prolific i feel with regards to expansions versus purchasing a new game so your personal opinion and my personal opinion are probably going to differ slightly, I feel. I actually prefer a new game over expansions, just purely because I, I'm very picky about what games I buy expansions for. I, I, I have to sort of sit on the fence on this one. I prefer... See, if I like a game, I'll, I'll tend to buy a game, and if I like it, I want more. So that's where me and my love for expansions comes. One thing I want to point out that's different, I think, from board games compared to the other big three genres, board games are generally designed to be a standalone game. Yeah. Whereas all of the other big three are designed to be continually adding stuff to them all the time. Board games, there is, an, there is a finite amount of times you can edit a game. Same way with like when people joke about George Lucas messing around with the Star Wars films and stuff. Yeah. He made them, he released them, then someone changes it and someone changes it again. You know, there's only a finite amount of times before people get fed up. Yeah. And you can do that with board games. And this is where all the interesting things come in, like reskins. You know, are they a b expansion or are they a new game? People like all offering a standalone expansion where it's effectively a new game with some extra rules, but you can mix it with your previous yeah. game which yeah. brings us back to you with villainous earlier that's what you would have preferred um with the marvel version but it's not 
it's not happened in that case whereas and again i know we keep using some of the same games but recently um setter watch has been announced that it's getting a new kickstarter before too long of a standalone expansion which probably means you'll be also be able to buy the original game during that campaign but if you like that game enough you're probably going to want both yeah but it'd be interesting to see what the differences are yeah i definitely um that seems to be a lot a way that a lot of the game manufacturers are going now we're starting to see a lot more standalone expansions um you know nemesis did that with lockdown well one we've mentioned several times it's big big favorite of mine is zombicide they originally did zombicide one they then did season two which was a standalone expansion and an expansion in that campaign they did season three same again exactly the same pretense they then effectively did the reskins of those games where they went down a fantasy setting and an standalone expansion for that they've done a space setting and then they've gone full circle and gone back and re re taken all the bits they've fixed from all these games they've made all along and redone the original Zombicide game as a 2.0. <laughs> so what um what do we find are the pros and cons with regards to expansions versus new games? Um, I'll, I'll kick things off. Um, Let's start with the pros first. We'll start with the pros. I'll, I'll kick things off for expansions. I love expansions just purely because it adds more replayability to the games that I already love. Yep, um, I fully agree with that. Um, you always want to keep going back to something you like, and you never want to you never want to taint it, you know, by it becoming repetitive or boring. And if you've got well done expansions that add a lot to a game, even if there's something as silly as adding characters, it can just change things up enough that every time you play it, it's different. Yeah. I mean, one of the good examples of that is um, Legendary, Marvel Legendary. You know, you introduced me to that game and I became hooked. It's, again, rocketed its way to one of my favourite games of all time to the point that I went out of my way to get every expansion for it. Um, I'm only missing one at this point and I'm pretty close to, to getting that one as well. But that ultimately, it's a card deck building game and the replayability on it now will probably last me for the rest of my life just purely because the sheer amount of about, different combinations i was about to say i don't think we'll ever manage every combination you've got of that no. game there's no yeah. there's no physical way we can do it no no exactly um you know six thousand odd cards there's over 120 you know um schemes which every single villain can do and i've lost track of how many villains there are and that's so. without counting how many different characters you've got you exactly know, so. yeah it, it's i i don't think we'd ever be able to do it even if we played it every day for the rest of our lives so yeah i that's a brilliant example for me of how much i love expansions for games that i already love but i also love buying a new game and pro that i find for buying a new game over an expansion is while expansions add replayability to a game a new game adds variety exploring for something for the first time is always magical same time you know easiest way to look at same as when you go to the cinema for the first time for a film you don't know what you're expecting you don't know how it's going to turn out you don't know where the twists and turns are so going into a board game can be exactly the same you know it could be utterly disappointing. You never know. Or it can be the best thing since sliced bread. It, there's so big variation in it. I mean, you know, we we end up being quite critical because um, when we review stuff, because it's part of a review. But there's plenty available to be positive with sometimes, even when it sounds negative. 
there's very very few games that i've really just outright disliked but it's always interesting to try a new game so going back to expansions you know another positive of it from saying about the positive of a new game is um adding an expansion to a game you know how to play it so it's quick to jump into but you've got new things to explore again so it suddenly makes it a different game yeah it's it's kind of a weird thing isn't it because it's still the same game it's still the same mechanics for the most part but it does make it feel like a new game because you've not played it before we've both still got dynogenic staring us in the face with an expansion to try on that and i'm really looking forward to see how it changes the game yeah and another good one another good example is they can fix a lot of problems with games with expansions as well mm. one of my favorite games of all time is such a simple cooperative one is flashpoint fire and rescue it's a firefighting game the original game had a mechanic for um how the fire spreads in between everyone's turns of just dice rolls with what were hotspot markers in the game that if you hit one of those with your dice basically you know with your particular roll meant you had to keep rolling again and put new hotspot marker on yeah, etc yeah. they completely overhauled that with the last expansion and turned it into a deck based sort of system for how the fire spread you still rolled your dice to see where they were placed but they took out the hotspot mechanic and replaced it with an event deck and a fire deck and it made the game so much better and it makes me i find it difficult now to play flashpoint without that expansion mm. because it just seemed like such a better way to play the game yeah so sometimes uh, playing with expansions uh, actually makes a vanilla game a hundred times better, you know. And like you said, it can even fix games. But another pro- another positive I personally have, and I'm sure you're the same because I know your collection is <laughs> actually more superior than mine, is there's just a real sense of satisfaction of owning loads of different games and knowing that no matter what you fancy playing you know whether it be a co-op whether it be a pvp whether it be a dexterity game whether it be anything anything yeah it could literally be anything and you know by having all those games that you can just go and pick one and there's just something really really special about that but that's why we um, joke about my games collection becoming a mobile games library (laughs) i've set out recently again some of it's by chance because I just t- I pick up things that I like the look of, but I've generally tried to set out so I've got something to cover most of the bases. Yeah. So when we get new people coming to gaming groups, I'd not just like, well, we're playing co-op games because that's all I own, you know, yeah, or we're playing yeah. these Marvel games because I don't like, you know, I've got something that covers everything. Obviously, I'll have more of certain types of games. Yes. But I I prefer some chill games, you know, that are easy just to jump into and um some really complex ones that we know you know we'll arrange the week before right this is what we're doing this week yeah so i mean that that is a massive positive for me but it also leads on to a negative that i find of having so many games and it is something that is really becoming a problem and that is what most people would determine as the pile of shame i determine it as the um lots and lots of shelves shelf of opportunity shelf of opportunity is perfect it is a fantastic sight to see all of those games on all of your shelves and then realise that you've got no space to put anything else. <laughs> so it's a good thing and a bad thing, having so many games. But expansions can still do the same. Expansions will generally come in another box. One of my big gripes is um, a lot of the time expansions are not designed to fit in the original game box. Yeah. One thing I've noticed in more recent years is there seems to be lots of positive feedback for the um, board games that genuinely do a Kickstarter campaign, knowing they've got expanded stuff, whether it be just the stretch goals 
or expansions. You know, most most Kickstarters now have an expansion already in mind, and they just offer it at the same time. Yeah. I mean, the best one I can think of recently was my Sonic the Hedgehog game. It, uh, one of the upgrades as part of the stretch goals was a big box expansion, basically, and yeah. I got all of my miniatures in the box with everything and it's just it's a humongous box but it's nice to know i haven't when if i want to play that game and i do keep it boxed because people who know me know very most of my games very rarely stay in their boxes due to space anyway which is the complete opposite to me really yeah but at least i know if sonic's coming out i've got everything with me because it's it might be a colossally sized big box but it's all there yeah um yeah. you know I'm, again i joked we're staring at dinogenics that's two boxes at the moment because it just physically doesn't both fit in one no. unless we take the inserts out and make our own which is more cost more effort and lots of games do this and it yeah. becomes incredibly frustrating yeah and like you said there, there's been a lot of feedback recently especially with um more and more companies realizing that people don't want to have multiple boxes you know people that know me know that i have a massive vendetta against myself if i carry more than one box for a game (laughs) and i will do literally anything i can to try and shove everything in one box and i've looked at that dinogenics almost every day this week and try to figure out how i can build a box insert to fit it all in and it just it doesn't seem like it's going to happen I struggle to fit the base game in its own box that's another gripe as well is um games aren't even designed to fit their own their own base game in yeah. But you know, even it's not just board games. Like you know, the um, we mentioned some of the others earlier. One of my favourites is Marvel Champions. I've already, with the amount of expansions that come out, outgrown the base box. Yes, yeah. And it's either I remove the inserts or have to have multiple boxes now. And they don't. The expansions for those don't come in bigger boxes. It's no. small, tiny expansions. So until the bigger standalone expansions come out like the Red Skull one before yeah. too long and the Guardians of the Galaxy one recently announced, I'm sort of stuck. <laughs> yeah, and again, covering every base on, on the storage front, war games, you know, hundreds of miniatures take up lots of space, you know, and look across the room, you can see my stack of foam you, you trays. Know, my foam trays, you know, and they're, they're all full, you know, and that's only... I mean, that, that game's got my, some of my Power Rangers miniatures in, it's got some of my my marvel miniatures in but i've it's now getting to the point where the marvel game is churning out so many new characters and i'm sort of trying my best to keep up but unfortunately i've got to store them once they're painted you know and i'm very particular about my miniatures you know once they're painted and i'm happy with how they're painted they must be preserved in foam and of course that just adds more and more space so it's more storage space and you know there's only so much space in someone's house. I'm not a multi-millionaire. I can't afford a mansion, you know. So expansions, yes, great, fantastic. In the different forms of games, they do take up more space. When it comes to board games, I find new games themselves take up more space. So yeah, big space thing. That's that's a negative and a, and a, and a positive for me. I would actually say this is probably going back to being a positive, actually, for an expansion. I find games that I've expanded see the table far more often than something that hasn't is that something that you personally see with with your collection or is that just my games and and, you know the type of games that people want to play i think it's a common thing but i'm not necessarily sure you can tie it just down to expansions because a large portion of that is the reason why you've bought the expansions is because you enjoy the game yeah and you've also then with an expansion explored ways to continue to um make that game long lasting you know and reinvigorate something different in that game so inherently 
it should then see the table more yeah. because you enjoy it and you found new ways to play it. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing is like the effective standalone type way of playing games now is legacy games. Yes. They are like a, they're not they're a brand new fresh game, but it almost feels like an expansion for a lot of them because a lot of the legacy games nowadays are take a game we like and let's find a way to play twelve versions of it in a really uni- unique way or yeah. ten versions yeah. or a lot of them especially um, ones that come with miniatures. A lot of them will be cross compatible. So you can take the miniatures from an earlier game and use them in the newer version. Yeah. Yet that newer version is still technically a, a brand new game. Yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting ways games evolve. I mean, I suppose one of the biggest thing about expansions and new, you know, or, or reskins or anything like that is it's the evolution of the game. You're physically seeing how someone's created something, done a good job of it, but seen they can do better or felt like there's something missing and redone it again. Yeah. Here's a question for you, um, and I'm not sure I can even answer this question. Have you ever found a game that has done an expansion for doing an expansion's sake, rather than, you know, we talk about games that do an expansion to better a game. Do you feel that they've ever, or you've ever come across a game that's done an expansion that has done nothing for the game whatsoever, or they just did it as, well, why not? I'm not sure I've seen expansions that don't change the game at all because I just don't think that works. I have, I own, and they're some of my favourite games, but I, I can't help but fault them for it. Got to a stage where you have too many expansions for games and they almost become unplayable by doing, you know, wanting the best bits out of everything. Yeah. Good example is Zombicide again. I was stupid enough, and this is on me, having three core sets and a load of expansions and a load of kickstarter extras to mix them all and you get a zombie spawn deck and you get an item deck for each base game what i didn't twig is how balanced the original things were so meshing them together because they're all fully interchangeable yeah completely breaks the game for example one of the basic missions is go find some food canned food water and some rice mm if you suddenly add another 300 cards to your item deck, but don't add any more canned food or rice or water in equal amounts to those extra cards you've added... Suddenly adds the uh, difficulty. Your, your half-hour game suddenly becomes a six-hour game, you know. Yeah. And um, I now have to go back and try and make an item deck that's got enough basic items in it to match some of the more interesting bits that have come from each game to keep yeah. it fun. And I've had games broken where if you're trying to shuffle like especially mini mini cards it's like a 600 card zombie yeah. spawn deck they group together and something as dangerous like an a unit in that game called the murder of crows which gets three activations every time if you spawn like three or four cards of those in a row and spawn every miniature you've got those on the table you can't cope with it no they're not designed for that they're designed to have one in a blue moon yeah, but because I, you know, because of how difficult it is to shuffle, we've had several games destroyed by those. <laughs> <laughs> Another downside to expansions as well is it can make games that already take a long time to set up even more difficult to set up. And as much as you're going to hate me to say this, because I love the game as well, <laughs> Marvel Legendary is a good example of this. When you're trying to pick five sets of characters or whatever it is out of five hundred characters, <laughs> you know, yeah. one villain out of 50 villains and then you know his minions and stuff to go with him out of like several hundred choices yeah. by the time you've sit and pe- picked everything and actually set your game up you've already lost an hour of your play yeah time. It's, it's definitely without a doubt unless you know exactly what you're gonna do or you literally do everything at random which 
quite often ends in tragedy. Yeah, it, it, you're talking a 45, 45 minute to an hour setup. I mean, if you don't talk to anyone and you're completely antisocial and just focus on what you're doing, yeah, you can do it in about 20 minutes. But who's doing that when they're playing a game? And also, you've still got to have the discussions of settling on your X amount of characters, X amount of villains, you know. There's always one person that goes, I want my favourite in, you know. There's, you've got to get through all of those points, which is fine, but when you've got a long, big game that takes forever to set up, you just want to adding to it can be a hindrance. Yeah. I've got another interesting one for expansions as well, is um, seeing how expansions upgrade the visuals of a game. Now, this comes onto two points for us, because me and Jason have started um, pimping up our games quite a lot as well. Oh. But sometimes when you buy a game, you genuinely... They will give you minis or they'll give you extra bits just to make your game, your original game look better. And it does make all the difference sometimes. But we've also been known to want to do that ourselves. One of my favourite, my personal favourites for me doing this has to be Downforce. Oh yes. Because I, I like collecting all sorts of stuff. One of my collections is um, the Disney Cars films. They've done tiny little mini, mini cars, a couple of pounds you know, each time in little blind bags or blind boxes, but you can find out through codes on them what, what each one is. I've collected the whole sets of those that have come out and we just pimp up our game each time. All we need to know is we know we've got to have a red, a black, a blue, a yellow, a green and a purple car. Yep. When I've got like eight choices of each, it makes it so much more fun having a, you know, a cutesy little car that we can actually drive around the spaces yeah. on the track. They do, you know, stay still enough to actually not roll all over the place and wreck the game. But it just makes it more fun. Yeah. And we, you know, we've had people comment on that when we've been at um, gaming conventions and stuff. I pimped up Thanos Rising as well with mm. some of the Funko Mystery Minis with the bobbleheads. You know, I don't have the whole set because some of them are insanely expensive. But it was quite fun. Just all, all we've done is added minis to the top of the cards. It changes the game. Nothing. If anything, yeah. it makes it slightly slower because we're trying to root round finding the right people. <laughs> for the board but when you're looking at a table with just a bunch of cards and you walk past the table again and someone's got 12 minis on the table it turns heads yeah without a doubt it's more visually appealing yeah so let, let's 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 have a sum up between us um if you had to choose if, if you had enough money to only buy one thing would you prefer to buy an expansion to change up a game that you already love or would you be more into buying a brand new game that you've been looking at for months and months and months is a tough question that is a really really difficult question um and i'm sure we've all both been through points of in time where we've done this indeed i think the only answer honest answer to that question is it depends on the time um and the games some of the game i mean i tend to dodge this bullet because when i buy games a lot of them have been via kickstarters where i go big or go home i buy everything all at once yeah then i don't have to worry the only the only thing is if you get burnt on a game you get burnt on a game big time when you do that <laughs> but i get attached quite a lot to the game the things i love in general not just games but in all sorts of uh, my interests and i suppose with the fact that i come from a trading card background as well i have to say the expansions you know because i yeah. tend to go back to the same games over and over and over again and i'm still trying to branch out and play more new games off the shelf that i wouldn't normally pick up i think we touched on this when we did the intellectual properties where a box with something like spider-man on it is more likely to pique my interest than some sort of random pretty piece of artwork yeah you know that on like a with a picture of an aeroplane or something on it that doesn't fuss me as much. Yeah. You know, but I've got some games where we've bought that 
I'm glad I have played, you know, even as recent. I know I've mentioned it several times, but Set Watch. If it wasn't for our friend Ed wanting to try that game before he bought it, I'd have never played it. No. I'll be honest, you know, I never would have tried it. I never would have. It's, the box didn't have anything on it that interests me. I like fantasy. I like Dungeons and, and Dragons. Um, but uh, a Bristol 1350 was another one. I, I would never have bought that game. No, and um, I've ended up buying four of their games because one was good enough to warrant trying the others, and yeah, we've had yeah. recommendations since as well. But, you know, it shows how you try one thing, and even if it's not a direct expansion, you know, I bought four games games because i enjoyed one so much yes so i was willing to give the other three a try even though they're completely different play styles i liked the, the i've obviously liked the guy who's made it style or the yeah. team that have made it style enough to trust them that i'm buying a good game yeah um i think personally i would probably agree um for the most part i find myself always looking to uh, to keep up to date with the expansions for games that i know i love uh, we've already mentioned Marvel Legendary. You know, I must look at least once a week to try and find that very last expansion that I don't have. But at the same time as proven, um, I'm always on the lookout for new games that appeal to me as well. So I'm probably a 50-50 split, but if that time ever presents itself again where I have to choose, I, I would probably say... If it's a game I play at least once a month, I'm going to go for the expansion over the new game. Another interesting question for you this time. Do you look at a game differently when you find out there's an expansion? Um, Again, a very, very tough question. Um, are we talking a game that I've literally just bought or that I'm looking at buying? Well, no, just in general. I mean, I, I have a good example for me personally on this. We all know that over lockdown, I've mentioned it before, I bought Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters yes. um, a few weeks ago. As far as I was concerned... That was a single standalone game. We've played it. I've loved it to bits. I discovered this week there's an expansion out there for it. <laughs> Bear in mind, it's quite an old game. Yeah. And trying to get hold of a copy of that is like mm. trying to um, well, win uh, the lottery at okay, the moment. So, so this is actually a very good, very good question, Ian. Um, if I own the game, chances are I've already played it. And at that point, I'll be able to decide whether I'm interested in the expansion. If I don't currently own the game and I find out there's an expansion, I probably won't purchase that game unless I'm getting it with the, the expansion. expansion. But my question was, how do you view the game when you find out there's an expansion? My my reasoning is, I was content with Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters as it was, just as a standalone game. I didn't really see anything, you know, happening with it, and I yeah. I, I, I was still enjoy playing it. But I'm now really curious on yeah. what's it like when you add more to it. So it's changed mm. how I've looked at what was a nice little base game. Yeah. I've now want to adapt and see, you know. I mean, a good example we mentioned it earlier. Um, that I will use to, to, to do that, which was uh, the Ghostbusters game. Uh, I'm not interested in the expansion whatsoever. I know that there is one out there. However, there is a curiosity to that expansion um, as opposed to the base game because, like I said, I'm not a huge... I'm not blown away by the base game, but at the same time, there will always be that curiosity. There's, does that expansion make that game the best game in the world? <laughs> so... It, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, it doesn't cure. It doesn't make me curious enough to go out and buy it. If someone ever comes up to me and says, "I've got that expansion. Would you like to play a game?" Hell yeah, hell yeah, I want to try it. And if uh, if it turns out to be much better, then I'm more than likely going to go and try and buy that expansion. Yeah. So yeah, do you guys uh, prefer expansions or do you prefer buying a new game? Do you prefer not buying anything at all? I, I wish I was. 
Our I wish I was in that camp. Our, our banks would certainly like that one. <laughs> Definitely. Hit us up on any of the social medias, guys. We'd love to hear your opinions on that. But that's all from the main topic for now. We're going to hand over to Paul in the CGC newsroom for another dose of uh, weekly news. Over to you, Paul. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or indeed good evening. Let's go and see what's slid into my feed this week. Released in the US a few weeks ago, and finding its way to a streaming service near you in the UK this week, is board game documentary Game Master. Brought to us by Concourse Media, Game Master spotlights five board game designers, some of which have shown success or first-timers trying to break through into the industry. A couple of designers and their games that stand out are Pakistani-born, apologies for possibly brutally mispronouncing this, Nashra Balagamwala, who created her game Arranged to discuss arranged marriages in, as she puts it, a different way. Also, former video game designer and Disney engineer Scott Rogers, who whilst undergoing chemotherapy for stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma, designed his first game, Ray Guns and Rocket Ships. The documentary also talks to established designers like Matt Leacock of Pandemic fame, Elan Lee for Exploding Kittens, and Catan creator Klaus Tuber. Expect Plenty more footage from various gaming conventions amongst chats with popular reviewers and it's looking like a fantastic documentary. I for one can't wait for my day off to sit down and watch it properly. Favourite game of my wife and I's and one that's becoming a great gateway game for newcomers is Quacks of Quidlinburg. Only just teased is the upcoming expansion entitled The Alchemists. This tells us we're required to help the citizens of Quidlinburg from nightmares, obsession, hysteria and worse as we distill new essences to combat these new afflictions. As an expansion it will require the base game to play and it's great to know we can also include its first expansion, the Herb Witches. Direwolf, the co-maker of deck building game Clank, has revealed that it's currently working on its new game Dune Imperium, the first original board game based on the sci-fi universe in over 40 years. Announced via a teaser trailer, it appears to be based on the upcoming remake of David Lynch's 1984 movie Dune, which in turn was based on sci-fi novels written by Frank Herbert and published during the 60s. The trailer for Dune Imperium displays several lines of text asking whether the players have what it takes to claim the entire power of the universe, before displaying the game's name and the logos for Direwolf and Legendary Pictures, the studio behind this year's film. Dune Imperium will be a deck-building worker placement game, with subtitle of Imperium referring to the various empires that have ruled over the intergalactic space in the universe. The World of Dune has previously been adapted into a board game originally released back in 1979 and after decades out of print due to licensing issues, the Dune board game was eventually re-released in 2019 by publisher Gale Force 9. Dune Imperium is yet to have a release date confirmed, but Direwolf simply say the game is coming soon. Soon to be released by Mondo Games is a two-player cooperative card game entitled Disney Shadowed Kingdom. You'll enlist the help of your favourite Disney hero and team up with a friend to dispel the shadow polluting the kingdom and journey to discover lost magic. The gameplay revolves around silently adding cards face down to a 2x2 grid in one of two directions, causing 
cards to be pushed either into the hand of your partner for discovery or out of the grid completely dispelling them from play. Disney Heroes provide special powers that can be activated throughout the course of the, your journey. To win, all you need to do is max out your magic tracker before the shadow tracker is full. With no set release date as yet, but it looks to be a relatively small box game taking 15 to 20 minutes to complete. Over to Kickstarter now, and firstly from both myself here and I'm sure Jason and Ian is a call to arms to help local publishers stop, drop and roll get their game funded on Kickstarter. Pugs in Mugs is an extremely fun, family-friendly game about collecting pugs for 2-5 to five players ages 6 and up. You'll be collecting uniquely designed and dressed up pooches, snatching your favourites from your opponents, acquiring and reacquiring mugs in acts of utter thievery all to be victorious. With a heavy dose of Take That thrown in, which will suit Jason down to the ground, it's certainly a bright, colourful, easy to learn and well implemented game. If you like the sound of it and still unsure, you can try the game over on Tabletopia or catch the weekly stream from the creators on Twitch. The base game itself is only £10 and various other tiers that will let you get play mats and mugs if you so wish. And with it being a small box game, it's something you can always carry around with you and bring out for your pooch loving friends. That's Pugs in Mugs by Stop, Drop and Roll. It's live now on Kickstarter and ends midday on Thursday the 3rd of September. Let's support our local gaming community to help them see their dreams come true and their dreams hit our tables. Also heading to Kickstarter shortly is a couple more games that have caught my eye. August 17th welcomes us to the land of Thalara. The world's magic is dwindling away and you must fight for the last of the artefacts to preserve your power before it's too late. Thalara, The Last Artifacts is a fast-paced, highly interactive, asymmetric, hand-building strategy card game with low luck and a special twist. The game features a unique hand-locking mechanic. Each round, more of your cards get locked to your hand to be used in each subsequent round. Thalara's Core is a hand-building game where you don't just select the cards you want, you fight for them. So there's no more luck of the draw, you select every single card you draw from your personal card pool, every spell is available all the time and on the table right in front of you. You can choose your character that fits your playstyle the best and always have a fair chance to win. There are characters that can be learned in seconds while others take a lifetime to master. That's Thalara, The Last Artifacts, and it will be live on the 17th of August. Coming to the crowdfunding site just a day later on the 18th is Uprising Curse of the Last Emperor. It is a strategically challenging and fully cooperative board game for one to four players, set in a deeply immersive post-apocalyptic dark fantasy setting. Uprising is a 4x cooperative game played against two asymmetric enemy factions controlled by the game itself chaos and the empire explore the wasteland expand your dominion exploit the resources of the liberated territories and exterminate the legions and hordes that surround you every game tells a completely different story due to its modular board asymmetric factions and a huge variety of different events the game ends after four chapters if you have not collected more victory points than Chaos and the Empire, the world will truly end. That's Uprising, Curse of the Empire, and that's coming to Kickstarter on the 18th of August. So that's all from the new shed this week, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.
have a good week thank you bye thanks for that paul that was really good to hear from you again so jason is there anything else you'd like to add for today i don't think there is i actually really enjoyed that discussion about uh, expansions and new games i did too um and i look forward to hearing from you again next week yeah definitely um not sure what we're going to talk about next week but i'm i'm sure we'll find something it might be games related you never know I would hope so on a ga- on a gaming uh, on a gaming podcast, but you never know. We talked about going to the cinema earlier, so who knows? <laughs> if you have enjoyed what you've heard from us here today, guys, even though we talked about going to the cinema rather than playing games, please do give us a review on the Apple Podcast. If you really like it, hit us up with five stars as well. That'd be amazing. Like, share, subscribe, all of that goodness. Get the word out there. Let's try and grow the podcast podcast so that more people can hear it and same as every week um you're more than welcome to come join us on our discord server we still have our monday meetups and they're always a good laugh and we do try and get as many online games in as we can whether it be computer games or online versions of board games definitely and if you don't know where that link is you can find it on any of our social media sites you can find us on facebook twitter instagram by searching the podcast with crawley gaming community you can even email us at crawley gaming community at gmail.com but other than that guys thank you very much for joining us we're going to head off we're going to go and try and play a game this week and we'll see you again next week bye bye have a fantastic week everyone bye bye